So it's, I think, true that it's hard to understand anything, or almost impossible to understand anything without a sense of context. For example, if you were to take the word bored, and I just say the word bored, and, and something pops into your head, but it could be very different from what's popping into my head, because you could be bored at work, you could be nailing something into a board, you could be serving on the, the board of your company. And so really the, the context of it really helps us understand what it means at all. And I think that it's the same thing when we think about Christmas, when we think about the, the Christmas season, that, that there's a lot of stuff that happens. We hear about presents or Santa Claus or Christmas trees, but then we don't necessarily have the same context for what we're thinking of when we talk about Christmas. So maybe we don't even mean exactly the same thing. And really the, the context for Christmas is the, the storyline of the Bible. That, that the Bible itself, sometimes people think, well, the Bible's a list of rules, or the, the Bible is um, it's just an old book that's completely irrelevant for my life. Uh, but really, the, the Bible is a, is a story, it's a true story, about the, the living and true God and his dealings in history, in space and time, with people who were a lot like you and me, had a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same struggles. And you may have heard people say, if you've been around Hope, you've probably heard me say it, that the, the storyline of the Bible really has four chapters, creation, fall, redemption and restoration and that's the the context for christmas that we can't understand it otherwise and and i was, was thinking of a example of this i mean imagine that scientists get together and they create a, a medicine and you're reading about the medicine in your, in your newspaper or on your your iphone um, and you complete you're just not interested at all it means nothing to you um, um, you don't care about medicine or science uh, but then you, you read a little bit further and you get the context. Oh, this medicine cures a really dangerous disease. Okay, that's interesting. You might skim the article. Still maybe not that interesting. But then if you had even more context that you yourself were suffering from that disease or someone in your family, then you, you read the article and you think, wow, this is amazing. This is good news. This is relevant. This is exciting. And that's the same way with Christmas, that if we hear a Judean peasant was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, you think, okay, unless you're a history nerd, that seems irrelevant for your life. You say, well, the, the person born 2,000 years ago is the son of God. You think, oh, okay, well, that's interesting, but I still don't necessarily know if that makes any difference for my day-to-day -day life. Uh, but then we find out in light of the, the story of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that that this is the, the creator himself coming to rescue people like you and me who are out of relationship with God because of sin, and that because he came, we can actually have hope. We can have hope in life, hope at the, the moment of death, to face it with confidence, hope for a, a life to come. And then suddenly this becomes something that is, is really good news. It's exciting. It's, it's relevant for our lives. And so this is why, really, we, we structured this entire service the way that we did. Uh, you may have noticed that we had, in these seven readings, it went from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to Revelation, the last book of the Bible. 
And, and throughout, you saw this almost like a tree growing up, that this unfolding story of redemption, that, that first God promised the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent, and then it continued to grow, that the seed of Abraham is going to bless the nations, and, and then the, the seed of David is going to rule on the throne, and the, the seed of the virgin's womb is going to be Emmanuel, God with us, and ends up with new heavens, new earth coming down from heaven, no more sorrow, no more pain. And so... Yes, this service, it's about Christmas, but it's Christmas in light of a story, giving it context. Now, today, um, and for the time we have, I want to look at this story through the lens of one of the passages that you heard. Um, in the, the fourth lesson on, on page nine, uh, we heard Isaiah chapter 11. Now, if Again, if you've been at Hope this month, you know that, that we have been um, doing a mini-series in the book of Isaiah. And um, I would encourage you to actually turn to the book of Isaiah in your Bible. Um, if you brought a Bible with you, uh, you can turn there, Isaiah chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are pew Bibles near you, and, and this passage is on page uh, 575. And again, I, I would encourage you to turn there because I'll be re referring to specific verses and working through it, and I think it'll be um, easier to, to follow if you have your, your Bible open. So again, Isaiah chapter 11, and I'll read it again. Even though we've heard it once today, I'm going to read it again. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be his, uh, the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the young lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's pray. Lord, we, we pray that as we, we walk through this, this verse, that these verses, that you would guide us, that we would see your story, what it means for our story today and the story of Christmas. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I, I love about this passage is within nine verses, we see 
and seed form pretty much the entire story of redemption. Uh, and, and you see it even in just the very first verse. If you look again at, at verse 1 there in your Bible, it says that there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And so right there you see it's implied creation, that there, there was once this tree. Uh, you see fall, that like it was cut down as an act of, of judgment from the Lord. Redemption, because from this stump, it says that a a little sprout will come up. And then finally, restoration, because the the sprout's going to turn into a branch that's going to bear fruit once again. So with that in mind, let's let's walk through this this story, uh, looking first at creation and fall. So again, he's describing this tree that was was cut down. And you might think of something like a, a tree in your backyard. I, I know a lot of people who have certain trees that they just love um, around their property. Um, it means a lot. It's been there for, for hundreds of years. It, it gives shade in the summer. And, and then it can be very sad when that tree somehow becomes diseased or you know, it's threatening to fall on your house. And so then you have to bring in people to, to cut the tree down, cut it up, haul it away it can be it can be tragic and what you're what you're left with is just this stump there in your in your backyard instead of this beautiful tree and that's the image that we see here in verse 1 that god had created that the house of david king david to be this glorious tree in israel and and in the world and you heard actually in second samuel 7 that, that dave read for us that uh, god promised i'll build your house that one of your sons will always be on the throne. So it's this amazing promise to, to David, to the house of David as a, as a tree in Israel. But what Isaiah is predicting is this tree of the house of David with all of its glory, it's going to be cut down back to the stump. And it's because the descendants of, of David would walk away from the Lord. They would serve the, and worship the creature rather than the creator. They would repeatedly do things their way rather than God's way. God warned them over and over again, return to me, only return to me. But they refused, and so the tree of the house was cut down. But I also think that what we see here is pointing to another fall in the Bible story, and one that we heard actually in our our first lesson in this service, because God created all of humanity itself to be this tree in the world. He created us in his image. He re- created us to re- reflect his glory. And then our, our first parents, Adam and Eve, listened to the voice of the, servant, of the serpent, turned away from God, worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, and so they fell. Uh, they, they brought the, the wrath of God on themselves. And then as they were evicted from the garden, it brought the pain, the misery, the suffering that we see in our life today. And so as we think about this creation and this fall, I think that this is something that we get intuitively. I mean, maybe you're here and you're not even, you don't consider yourself a Christian. Um, Maybe you haven't been to church for a long time. Maybe you've never really read the Bible. But the idea that there's some sort of a blueprint that we know for the world the way that the world ought to be. 
Uh, and yeah, there might be details that we disagree on and what the world ought to be. But one thing that, that we probably can all agree on is the world is not that way. However you think the world ought to be, the world is not like that. Um, and this is, this is a reason that you know, we're, we're constantly angry at our politicians or angry at our, at our leaders in different ways because the world is not the way that it should be. There's evil, there's pain, there's suffering. We see it in, in the world, we see it in our country, we see it in our church, we see it in our community. And so that's creation and fall. But now let's move to the, the next chapter, redemption. Because remember that this tree was beautiful, glorious, cut down as an act of judgment. But then imagine you, you go out after a few months and, and you're still grieving that the, the tree was cut down. And you see a small little sprout coming up with a few little green leaves from the, from the stump that is not totally gone. It's not totally dead that there's this hope of redemption. And that's what we see here in, in verse 1. And what, what's really remarkable here in Isaiah 11 is that he goes on to describe what this sprout is like, who he is, what he is. And, and it, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. So let's, let's walk through this description of this sprout coming forth. And so the, the first thing is that it, it says that it, this, the shoot is going to have humble origins uh, because it says that it's a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And if you don't know much about the Bible, Jesse was King David's father. And so you think, okay, why the stump of Jesse? Why not call it the, the stump of, of David? Or, um, because that's kind of what we're, we're talking about. But what, it, what it's getting at is the, the return to the most humble origin of this sprout coming up, saying that, that as God cuts off the offspring of David from being on the throne, that there's going to be a period of time where there is not a Davidic king, and that the, the sprout that's going to come up is going to come from a father who's obscure, who, who no one knows, mm -hmm. uh, from a place that doesn't seem significant, but yet he will do great things. But then second, Isaiah shows us that this shoot coming up will be anointed with the Spirit. And he says that, that he'll have the, the fullness of the Spirit, and then he unpacks it a little bit more, and he says that it's the, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. You think, well, what does that mean? It means that the ability to form plans. But then it says that he'll also have a, a Spirit of counsel and might. Because it's one thing to form plans, but it's another thing to execute plans. He'll have the ability to execute it with might. And then it says that he'll have the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And so as he's forming plans, executing plans, he's able to do it all with, with perfection, with holiness, with this reverence of the Lord. But then third, this shoot will have the ability to discern the heart. If you look at verse 3 in your, in your Bible there, it says that the, this shoot that comes up, he, that he won't judge by what he sees or by what he hears. And you think, well, that's odd. Wouldn't you want a judge who is looking and hearing? But what this is saying is that this king, this predicted king, uh, rising from obscurity, actually can discern the heart in a way that, that no human being can. That, that we can be fooled by 
hypocrisy or by external show or by appearances in different way. But, but this ruler won't be, be fooled in any way. And, th and therefore, fourth, this shoe can, can actually care, give justice to the poor. Uh, it says in verse 4 that he will, rend will render justice for the poor, for the meek of the earth. And so he's not going to be just in the pocket of special interests. He's not going to be a, a king who's just looking out for the, for the rich and, and the powerful, but one who's actually looking out for the weak, for the marginalized, for the, for the poor. But then also, the other side of this, it says that this shoot will judge the wicked. Verse 4, it talks about him striking the earth with the rod of his mouth, that his word itself is power. And then it says that his breath coming forth to slay the wicked. And you think, wow, that's, that's a pretty shocking verse you know, for, for a Christmas service, that this king slain the wicked with the breath of his mouth. But in light of all that, the other things we learn about him, that this isn't an inquisition, he can discern the heart, he knows the thoughts, he knows the intentions, that this is a complete just judgment, exactly what needs to happen. But then finally, Isaiah tells us that this shoot will be righteous and faithful. He says that he'll wear these, the righteousness and the faithfulness. It says a, a belt on his waist and a, a belt for his, his loins. And even the commentaries say, well, we don't really know what the difference between the belt of the loins and the belt of the waist is exactly. But the point is, is that he's, he's putting on righteousness. And righteousness is the ability to do what is right and, and to do what is pleasing in the sight of God. And he's going to put on faithfulness. So he'll have the ability not only to do what is right, but to consistently, predictably, always do what is right and true for his people. And so this is quite a... A resume for this coming king. You, you think, imagine if someone like this were to run for president in America. I mean, somebody who has the spirit of God to discern the heart, the, the fear of the Lord, care for the poor, ability to judge uh, the wicked in righteousness, the true character of righteousness and, and faithfulness. I mean, this would be an amazing leader, amazing candidate. But I think the question is, is this the kind of person that we in this world would actually choose? Or would we actually reject this kind of a king and want a, a lesser king who's maybe more like ourselves and more likely to give us the kinds of, of judgments that, that we want rather than what is just and, and true? And I, and I think that this is, this is true, that, that we look so often to human leaders, human politicians, human authority, and essentially what we say to the, the leaders in our life is, I want you to fix all of my problems, and if you're there, and if you're in control, and if you're the right person, then my life will be fine, the world will be fine, the world will be full of justice and righteousness. But the problem is that no leader, uh, no spiritual leader, political leader, economic leader, no leader has the resume that this sprout from the stump of Jesse has that all human leaders don't perfectly fear God, don't perfectly give justice to the poor, don't perfectly discern the heart and intentions, um, and therefore can't perfectly render justice and righteousness. And therefore, ultimately, no mere human king can actually solve our problems. They can't turn back the fall. They can't deal with the real problem of the human condition. 
And so we've looked at creation, fall, redemption, but, but now we'll wrap up with uh, restoration. So we said the, the tree was, was glorious. The tree's cut down as an act of judgment. This humble shoot comes up from the stump. Uh, but then it says eventually there will be a branch that bears fruit, that, that it's returning to a tree, um, something glorious. And this is what Isaiah then describes for us in verse 6 to 9, if you look there in your Bible, verse 6 to 9. And he has the, this image of wolves and leopards and bears and all kinds of fierce, ferocious animals uh, just sitting down with these docile, helpless herbivores. Um, and and there's, no, there's no violence. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no bloodshed. There's complete peace, complete security. It even says that uh, the, the weaned child will play over the den of the cobras, or sorry, rather, the, um, the, the infant will play over the den of the cobras. The weaned child will put his hand into the adder's den, and you kind of think, if it's your child, you pull them back from the poisonous snakes, but it's saying that there, there won't be any danger. And so I think sometimes that we hear images like this in the Bible, and we're, attempt, we're tempted to immediately think, okay, this is describing what animals will be like in the new heavens and new earth. And so this is like new heavens and new earth discovery channel right here. Um, but that's possible. But I think that, that if that's where we go, that we would be missing part of the point that this is getting at for us. Because this entire passage is dripping with imagery, right? That this entire passage, we, it's saying that there's a, this tree is cut down. We're not thinking necessarily literal tree necessarily. It's talking about this shoot putting on righteousness and faithfulness as his belt. And we don't immediately think, okay, righteousness is a belt. I'll put it on. Um, and I think similar here um, that, that this is getting at a, a way of describing the, the future hope. Uh, in, a, in a similar way that we talk about you know, cities that are paved with gold, New Jerusalem coming down from heaven, um, that, that, that what it's saying is that the, this future reality of restoration is going to be so different um, from this world, so different from what we experience, that, that there's no reason to be afraid. There's no danger. There's no hostility. There's no more tears. There's no more sorrow. There's no more death. Uh, there's, there's nothing to, to make you, you sad or, or depressed in that place. And that's what we heard, read in the book of Revelation from our, our seventh lesson today. And so I think that the question for each of us to kind of wrestle through today, this Christmas season, is what actually is our hope? If your view of what the world should be somehow came into being, that it was restored perfectly, what would it be? And I think that so often our vision for restoration is actually far too modest and far too small. Um, that, that we think, well, if I could just have you know, my political party in control, or, or if I could just have um, that, that new job, or if I could just have the, the right tax policy in this country, or if I could just have a bigger government or a smaller government, or um, whatever kind of system that I want in the world, um, then everything would be okay. But the problem is, is that, that the Bible, or maybe not problem, maybe the, the glorious good news, is that the Bible offers us far more. Because at the first Christmas 2,000 years ago, 
uh, people had this longing because they felt the effects of the fall. They felt the sin of the world. They felt the fact that, that, that things aren't the way they ought to be, that people are divided from each other, divided from God. Um, and they long for this shoot to come up from the stump of Jesse, for this restoration of all things. But they thought at first that this shoot was going to be just a political king, that he was just going to rule in Jerusalem and kick out the Romans. And they thought that would be almost impossible, but actually their vision was too small of what God was going to do. Because what this shoot, what this Messiah, this king is offering is complete acquittal, complete forgiveness of sins, the promise of joy and life forever with him uh, in new heavens and new earth, to to glorify him and to to enjoy him forever. And so this is the the context of of Christmas, that that the shoot coming up was the child that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, humble origins, humble parents. Yes, descended from David, from Jesse, but no one would expect to, to rise to, to kingship as a carpenter. But yet he was anointed with the fullness of the Spirit like no other. Um, he, he feared the Lord, discerned the heart, cared about the poor, was able to render just verdicts, complete righteousness and faithfulness. And so he, you could think of, at, was the ultimate tree Uh, in the world, shining out to the the world. But on the cross, that tree was was cut down. That Christ himself is the tree that is cut down on the the tree of Calvary. And he wasn't cut down like all of humanity because of the sin of Adam. He wasn't cut down because of his own sin, but um, like, like David, but he was cut down actually because he was taking our sin on himself. Um, he was opening a way for us to be forgiven. Because you remember, we, it, it says here in Isaiah that, that he's going to wear righteousness and faithfulness as his belt. And what the cross is about is that he takes our belt of unrighteousness, our belt of, of unfaithfulness, and all the ways that that manifests itself. And that, those belts are, are nailed to the cross, buried in the tomb. We bear them no more. And that his perfect belt of, of righteousness, of, of faithfulness, he gives to us that, that we're clothed in that garment of righteousness. And then we, it says that he had the spirit without measure. And that's what we receive. We receive the spirit of, of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, which is why the Apostle Paul in the New Testament can say, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit uh, that we are children of God, and of children than heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. And so this life, uh, what we see around us, this is not our, our ultimate hope. But instead, because Jesus was born fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God, is coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Because that is true, that we can actually look forward to the reality of verse 9 back in Isaiah 11. It says that they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, 
For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That that is our future reality if we're in Christ. That's our hope. And, and that's possible because Christ was born 2,000 years ago at the first Christmas. And so that's ultimately our, our context for this season. So let's pray. Lord God, Father, we, we pray that as we, we get probably increasingly busy in the, the weeks ahead, that, that we wouldn't see what we're, we're celebrating as disconnected from what you have done in the world. Lord, we thank you for your unfolding story of love and faithfulness. Lord, that when we fell, when we walked away from you, uh, yes, the tree was cut down, Lord, but you could have just, it would have been just to, to leave it as a, as a bare stump, Lord. But we thank you that, that you so love the world that you sent your son. And so, Lord, we, we pray that, that he would be our, our hope, that he would be our, our life, that we would rest in him, that we'd see ourselves clothed in him, that we would know his spirit is with us, that we would share in his love for the poor, his love for the marginalized, his love of righteousness and the fear of the Lord. And we pray that we could ha have that hope now and that would make a difference. But Lord, we pray most of all that, that we wouldn't lose sight of the, the greater hope that you are offering um, for those who trust you, Lord. And so we pray that we would trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.